0: this episode is a repost the stand is taking a break for the christmas holiday period and we are posting some of our favorite episodes from our back catalog you can find more at the stand with amondunfee.com. have a lovely christmas and a happy new year
1: hey i'm ryan reynolds at Mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, on Tuesday of this week, uh, an inquest in Northern Ireland uh, found that 10 people shot dead in Ballymurphy in West Belfast in 1971 were all, and I quote, all entirely innocent of any wrongdoing on the day in question. Uh, Mrs. Justice Siobhan Keegan was the coroner uh, and in delivering her verdict... She hoped that the relatives of those 10 people would find some peace as a result of that verdict, and indeed they did. They applauded in the uh, courtroom, in the hearing room, uh, and for them it offered a measure, perhaps, of comfort. However, uh, since then, Boris Johnson um, has... uh, uh, offered a public apology without going in public. He told Michelle O'Neill and Arlene Foster in a phone call that uh, he deeply regretted it. But no public um, uh, uh, admission, no public apology in any real sense. And it's significant, I think, that uh, he did this yesterday. Not one British newspaper has it uh, on its front pages today. So a, a typical... Johnson, bit of spivery or sleight of hand. Now, it's very important to point out that these people were murdered by the Parachute Regiment in August 1971. And six months later, those same Parachute Regiment soldiers turned up in Derry, uh, where 14 people were murdered, 26 people shot on what's now known as Bloody Sunday. Eamon McCann was one of the people. Uh, who was fighting for civil rights. We know Eamon as a journalist, as a political activist, and indeed, uh, I should say, in passing, War and an Irish Town, his brilliant book about uh, Derry uh, should be read by anyone, particularly the young generation now, who don't know what those times were like. Eamon also fought with the relatives and campaigned to get the Savile Inquiry, which found, in fact, Uh, that uh, the people um, who were shot on Bloody Sunday were all innocent. And Eamon joins me now. Eamon, the Ballymurphy Massacre, and that is the right name, there's no hyperbole there, Uh, was a shocking uh, event, a prelude to Bloody Sunday, uh, and at last, uh, some measure of justice for the people, uh, the victims' uh, families this week.
3: Oh, yes, I mean, that's uh, um, absolutely true. I mean, there was, you know, an explosion of joy sort of uh, uh, within the uh, Ballymurphy families and with people in Ballymurphy uh, uh, generally when this was announced. It's been a long trek for them. Uh, fifty 50 uh, going, years. Fifty years, fifty years looking for the truth. And, uh and I know this sounds patronizing. I mean, I now know that they, over the years I've gotten to know many of the uh, uh, the Bally Murphy families, and you know, and as I say, this might sound patronizing. The thing that struck me about it, they are very ordinary people. There's nothing special about them at all about their backgrounds, about the jobs that they did, about the families that they raised. They were like the people next door, and it never ever occurred to them that uh, uh, they would have to go through this. I remember a meeting in the community centre in uh, Ballymurphy many years ago, but I suppose 15 uh, years ago, at which started the, I, I asked around and discovered none of them had ever given an interview. Yes. Nobody had ever asked them to <laughs> uh, uh, give an interview. So they started from there, and it is a magnificent achievement. And I think that the reason why there were people out all over Ballymurphy and the roads up there applauding them uh, uh, as they came back from uh, Belfast City Centre uh, with the verdict is that it wasn't just the people thought, at last, we've got a bit of justice. They were celebrating the families themselves. I mean, yes. celebrating as people, as somebody who had achieved something terribly significant for their community and for generally, that they had sort of done this with fixity of purpose and blazing integrity down through the years. That's what people were applauding. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, that there's a measure of, the way sort of, it's just the way they are transformed utterly in the minds of people of Ballymurphy, as well as this uh, verdict possibly, potentially transforming uh, things more widely in the North.
0: Yes. And um, I, I mentioned in passing uh, Boris Johnson's response uh, cheap, uh, out of sight, and. Uh, The British people who gave him such a resounding success at the polls last week did not see any pictures or hear that voice uh, when he was offering his apology. Unlike, one should say, uh, David Cameron, who uh, got up in the House of Commons uh, at the end of your particular uh, uh, journey with the people of Derry, uh, once the Savile Inquiry had uh, given its verdict, he did, in fact, Make the public apology that might have been expected from Johnson this week.
3: Yes, indeed, yeah, uh, uh, and I think the context for that of uh, Johnson's failure to rise to the heights of i can put it like <laughs> that, with David Cameron. Yeah. Uh, I think it reflects his views generally. A uh, uh, you know about Northern Ireland, Johnson and his cabinet too, couldn't care two balls of blue about no. Northern Ireland. We can tell that from you know his attitude to uh, unionists and the. Uh, uh, the protocol, the Irish Sea border, where he promised them. <laughs> Public can all remember that. At which, I mean, he stood up and told them that no British Prime Minister would ever put a border down the Irish Sea, that if anybody ever presented him with a travel document for crossing the Irish Sea, he would eat it. Yes. He said this. And then, <laughs> just in a twinkling, he had turned around and deserted them. You know, so Johnson has managed to enrage many loyalists yes. started, uh, uh, in the North. At the same time, as you know, he now has enraged people uh, uh, on the other side, so to speak, there are that the people uh, uh, supporting the Ballymurphy families. And the only conclusion you can draw from that is that Boris Johnson doesn't care about the North. And there's been no split in the British Conservative Party, no. a hint of it, uh, over this conclusion. None of them cares about Northern Ireland. There is no sense. Cent- You'll know this, Eamon. You're in yep. London... Uh, uh, for some of the same period that yes. I was, I never, ever detected. And I worked with very decent British people, all cockneys, and so I never heard anybody express a sort of feeling of kith and kin no. with the Unionists of Northern Ireland. Yeah, uh, uh, And I think that's reflected in politics, and some people have a bit of sensitivity about it. Others, like Boris Johnson, have crude minds and no sensitivity about it.
0: Yes, and one has to say of the present Tory cabinet, and I say it in passing, they are a nasty lot, and they do remind us, Simon, of an, the English at their worst, and the things they we know the things they're capable of doing. And Bally Murphy and Bloody Sunday uh, in Derry uh, remind us that there is there something wicked uh, and heartless uh, and unapologetic, really. Uh, because, and I want to come to this, Eamon, Uh, Six months after the Ballymurphy massacre, they arrived in Derry when you and others, many other citizens of Derry, were on a civil rights march. Uh, And uh, in a piece you wrote, a beautiful piece and a very moving piece, uh, about uh, the connection between Ballymurphy and the 14 people and... Uh, many others who were traumatized, k- murdered again on Bloody Sunday in Derry in uh, January 72. That they must have felt, these soldiers, that they had a right and that they were doing their duty to go on. And if nothing happened after the Bally Murphy massacre, on they went to Derry mm. uh, and we got um, something even worse.
3: Oh, yes. I mean, it's a. a, a I mean,. It, 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 it's to, there's an element of speculation about uh, this, of course, but I think it's reasonable and logical uh, a, to say that, that if the parachute regiment had been called to account, or any of them being called to account, yes. or had the British Army faced the truth and admitted the truth after Ballymurphy and said that was wrong, that was a massacre, if they had done that, then bloody Sunday would never have happened. It couldn't yes. have happened, you know. It's, uh, they wouldn't have repeated the outrage just a few months later. And could I mention just sort of in passing that if those two uh, massacres I mean, hadn't been, in effect, endorsed by uh, the British authorities, then very likely Richie McKinney and Robert Johnson wouldn't be dead. Yes. And if those names don't strike a bell with listeners, and I do you know, for I don't think that they I would, those were two innocent men, absolutely innocent men, on the Shankill Road were Protestants, walking sort of six months later, after another six months, in uh, September 1972, they were gunned down by members of the Parachute Regiment, including one who had been in Derry uh, on Bloody Sunday. So it's a whole pattern here. And look, not to yes. stretch it out too far. could You're saying, it, you know, one thing led to another. Where was the 1st Battalion of the Parachute Regiment? Where were they before they were redeployed to Northern Ireland? They were in Aden, in yes. Yemen. That's where they were. Whether there was the Battle of the, the Crater District and so forth, but a man called Mad Mitch of the Scottish Guards, or whatever he yes. was, the Black the Black Wits became uh, briefly famous. They did it in the Middle East. They came back to Northern Ireland, sort of, And to them, it's just the same thing. You know, there were Arabs, sort of, with their Arab headdresses sort of, in <laughs> uh, the district. They shot them down. Then they came, they did the same thing. There's a long history on this, which goes back beyond the events in Northern Ireland. They were treating Northern Ireland like a colonial, colonized yes. place. That's what yes. they were doing, and they uh, behaved in a way that was appropriate to dealing sort of, with the native elements.
0: Yes, and in a, the piece you wrote this week after the Bally Murphy verdict, you quote a woman, a breege Voile. She's a daughter of one of the victims, uh, John, uh, John Connolly, who, a woman who was shot in the face and, and, and killed in the most brutal way. She asked this week, they are now declared innocent. They were no threat to anybody. So why did the Paris murder them in the first place? Mm. And that why is so important, because Bloody Sunday, as you say, um, it, it was a precedent, uh, mm. and uh, on they went. The question is, why did they feel, as you pose it, that they uh, could do this?
3: Well, they felt invulnerable, and they felt invulnerable a, because of who they were. They were, after all, the Parachute Regiment as we don't have time to go into it, but has a very distinctive history uh, within the uh, uh, British Army. Uh, and they, they've gone back to the beginning, sort of, in the, ni- in the 1930s, uh, therefore mainly at the instigation of, of Winston Churchill. They, uh, uh, there's that about them. They don't say sorry about anything. Being a paratrooper means never having to say sorry. Uh, So they did it for that reason. And also, I think, because the general atmosphere at the time and the assumptions upon which the British uh, military operation in Northern Ireland uh, was based, is that there'd be no, even before they had opened fire on people, they reckoned there'd be no comeback because, you know, uh, there was such adherence and fealty to the British armed forces on the part of British politicians that I don't think it ever occurred to them. They'd have to answer and crucially, crucially, they never expected the relatives of their victims to come out and campaign and to keep on and keep on and keep on at it. They never counted. They never took account of the relatives of the Bally Murphy massacre or of the Bloody Sunday massacre. Well, yes. they know better
0: now. And uh, Miss uh, Justice Keegan this week said that from the British side, uh, her... Uh, inquiries were severely hampered uh, by the abject failure of the British authorities to investigate uh, the, the death of uh, John James Kerr, for example, one of the victims.
3: Yeah, indeed, that there was no uh, no statements taken uh, from uh, uh, anybody after it. I mean, after any killing, after a car accident, you know? So yes. Uh, police investigators or somebody or military investigators would go around and ask people, "Well, what happened?" What did you see? What did you do? I mean, as they tried to piece together a picture of it, no effort was made after Bally Murphy for anybody in the British, say, political or military to actually piece the facts and the evidence together and try to get a picture of what had happened and to draw any conclusions from it. They shrugged their shoulders and walked away from it, you know, and much the same thing was to happen uh, after Bloody Sunday, you know, and One of the interesting facts about all this, of course, is that the man who actually wrote the Bloody Sunday cover-up, the chief conspirator, uh, uh, was General Sir Michael Jackson, the very man who was the liaison and media officer for the British forces in in Ballin-Murphy six months, five months uh, uh, earlier. So General Sir Michael Jackson is a very interesting character in all this, and he did, of course, after his deployment in the North, rose through the ranks, through Kosovo and the Balkans, to become eventually the chief of the general staff, Britain's number one soldier. Obviously, his behavior and his actions in Ballymurphy and in Derry on Bloody Sunday was not regarded by the military top brass or by politicians as depriving him or as a black mark on his character, which would uh, uh, prevent them from uh, being promoted or rising through the ranks to the very pinnacle Yes. Of a yes. command, nobody thought. Oh gosh, we can't have that guy. Isn't that the guy who perjured himself to cover up for murder in Northern Ireland? They yeah. didn't care. Why shouldn't Michael Jackson assume there's going to be no comeback if this? I can do this with impunity.
0: That's what he had been given to understand. Yes. I mean throughout his time, and he uh, likes to see himself uh, on television. I've seen him many times, uh, and you'd say he'd like a, a nice whiskey. And uh, a nice appearance on Newsnight now and again uh, to discuss uh, military matters. Uh, just to, on the question of justice for your own dairy people and the Savile Inquiry, uh, that was a grueling and long journey, Eamon, to get that Savile Inquiry. Uh, and you were very much at the heart of it. Uh, uh, and I know you don't want to play that up. but. Do you find, or did you find, that kind of coldness, uh, the indifference of these people to the crimes they had uh, been responsible for, uh, to be sort of uh, scarring in a certain way, as I think I do, they're incorrigible. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
3: uh, uh, It Yes, they are sort of. I mean, and it was very difficult to get them even to you know talk about it. And when I was campaigning with the Bloody Sunday uh, families, I mean, for a long time, we get no response at all. Even you know, from, and let me say, as we're talking about it now, the same would apply to political and other authorities in Southern Ireland.
0: Yes, indeed. You know, so
3: I was involved in organising a deputation to try to see Mary Robinson when she was. President of Ireland, (laughs) and she refused. Didn't reply to a number of letters. She agreed grudgingly to see people after we delivered on a threat to go down there with placards and picket her residence in uh, Phoenix Park. I wrote a little book called What Happened in Derry at one point during the uh, Bloody Sunday campaign. And we thought we'd launch this book in Dublin. We did it at Buzzwell's Hotel just across the street uh, from uh, Leinster House. We invited, I don't know, 40, 50 TDs, wrote to them all, Ask them to come along. One person turned up: the late Tony Gregory. Yes. Nobody an, an independent, nobody from any major party. Uh, a turned up to talk to as uh, a at all. Uh, Cahill Daly, the cardinal of all Ireland, sort of during uh, that period, refused to meet, sort of with the relatives of Bloody uh, the Bloody Sunday massacre. And the I think the, the motive for that in the background was that they thought to associate themselves with people complaining about their treatment by British authorities in the north, that that would sort of put them in the camp of the provost. Yes. So they were unwilling uh, to do it. But anybody, I mean, I re- I've read a lot of stuff over the last couple of days, and I welcome it. I welcome it, I'm not being cynical. sort of In the southern media, people uh, saying how important this was and how sorry they were and so forth. It was very, very difficult to raise this question in the South at the time when the families, for years, years, when the families were campaigning. So it's good that it's happened now. It really is. I'm grateful for it. And the families are grateful for it. it. It took a long, long time.
2: Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Niles Jewelry Experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not.
0: Now, uh, Mr. Justice Savile, um, what are we to make of him and his inquiry? Because uh, it seems, on the face of it, that uh, he was interested in the search for justice.
3: Yes, Lord Savile, I, I think was, and uh, uh, and maybe mean we shouldn't be condemning, like all, of course, all English people. I know you're not British people. Sort of about that, or no? About- but
0: there is, there is, and that you can see it in the present. Johnson cabinet, uh, a dark, hard side. Uh, they're right wing uh, and pretty nasty.
3: Oh, they are they to are, their
0: right. own people as well. I have to
3: say. Uh, oh, maybe yeah, especially oh, all of those things. Why they combine a number of uh, attributes and characteristics which no mother would want to inculcate into her children? Uh, uh, you know the and of course they, when they bring that to Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. It's the same, but I mean this is you know part of the pattern of their thinking, which isn't just confined uh, a, to Ireland. I mean the when we talk about them committing perjury in relation to Bally Murphy on bloody Sunday I mean these this could be the list of lies that people Auburn and others have compiled uh, in relation to Boris Johnson. yes, it's staggering so all he was doing really in a sense in Northern Ireland was carrying on a pattern which had actually carried him into 10 Downing Street, and he was just applying that to uh, Northern Ireland. So these questions go a lot wider than the who did what on these particular days.
0: Yes. The um, Soldier F, uh, Mm. you mentioned in the piece you wrote, the Soldier F is awaiting trial for the Bloody Sunday Massacre in Derry. Um, It's kind of... There's also a move, as I'm sure you're aware, Johnny Mercer, who was the uh, Veterans Minister, has resigned from the Johnson government because uh, they won't uh, declare an amnesty, but they have, ironically, on the day of the Ballymurphy verdict, there was talk of an amnesty in the Queen's speech. Uh, They want to draw a line under this um, and all such efforts to get at the truth, to get at justice.
3: They do, you know, and as you say, Soldier F is the only one who's been charged. And if I were Soldier F for his family, he's an old man now, you know, which I'm not excusing in any way for sort of what he did in Glenfather Park. He's charged with uh, two murders and four uh, attempted murders. And anybody who cares to go into Google and look at what happened in Glenfather Park, you know, uh, uh, I imagine, I hope, would be uh, horrified but it. It's a very small part, a little small square, sort of off Rossville Street in Mogsett. Yes. You know, two people were killed. Four people sort of were hit uh, uh, by, by by bullets, and it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Yes, it really was cowardly and vicious. You know, and showed contempt uh, 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 for the people. Now, soldier F, you know, has been uh, sent for trial on a charge of murder in relation to a uh, grandfather Glen, Park. As you say, though, I don't think he's ever going to come to trial. I think that you know the, the pressure for an amnesty sort of is uh, very intense for an amnesty generally for British soldiers in the, uh, a in the north, and uh, I don't think uh, I don't think he'll come to trial. And I don't think sort of as things are, the conventional political sort of maneuvers are going to put any a soldier in uh, the dock for any of these things that a lot of people uh, will be saying and are saying are beginning to hint that look, you got your verdict. At the inquest. Yes. You know, your people were found innocent. Isn't that enough for you? And the truth is, it's an awful lot. It's an awful lot. Yeah. It's a huge I, thing to have that, but it's not
0: everything. No, of course. And as you uh, end your piece, you asked uh, a number of questions How did the massacre happen and why? At whose instigation? And what's going to be done about it now? And you, your final line is This won't go away. Mm. And it's it is fascinating because we must remember, I mean, we're older people now, old, <laughs> uh, and we. If the fire hasn't died, what's really um, in, troubling almost to me is, and I wonder what you think, that you know, the Good Friday Agreement was about twenty three years ago. Yeah. Um. Anyone under thirty five in living in this republic or living in, well, not the North, but in this republic, wouldn't know what the hell we're talking about, that this brutal, uh, vicious uh, terror was inflicted on the people of the North. And, uh, you know, it's that blank page in their minds, in their history, in their sense of what, what their country was and can be, it does need to be filled in some way, doesn't it? Well, it does. It's, I mean, as
3: you're right, it's very difficult to me. I mean, and I, you can't blame people two generations later. I mean, for no. not being aware of the detail of it, and I don't. But I have to say that I do find it jolting, you know, when I discover that uh, my granddaughter sees this as a matter of history, which is taught in school, rather than as something uh, which is intimate and connected, sort of, with the creation of Irishness yes. and the creation of all uh, uh, our... Uh, uh, Consciousness. One of the leading members, if I could put it like that, of the bloody Sunday family campaigners, a good friend of mine, uh, Kate Nash. And uh, Kate said to me, "It's about a year ago now, uh, uh, she said, we're not going to see it, are we? Uh, I'm older than Kate, just in case he's listening, so, <laughs> because we're of an age when we, we don't expect to live long enough to see it. But I remember her saying that. I mean, we're not going to see it, are we? And I have to agree, we're not going to see an end to this. We're not going to see full justice being done. Look, can I say that? I mean, I've had no end of arguments and debates sort of about this matter about uh, I, 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 about amnesties and whether soldiers I, I should be charged. You know, and it's a, 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 a the fact of the matter is that it, it, these people who inflicted these killings were uniformed as yes. representatives of the state. Yes. I mean, they were not terrorists. They were not paramilitaries. They, no. You know, that they, they, they were in a different category to that. They represented the government, which claimed to have, and in practice did have, you know, the right to exercise authority over citizens. Yes, and My point is that yes. when the state kills its citizens, it must be held to account. That yes. means putting the perpetrators into the dock. And they don't, you know, if it wasn't murder, I mean to shoot Jim Ray in the back, and I knew Jim's family, you know, in Glenfada Park. That wasn't murder, and Jim Ray wasn't a full human being. Yes, so, I mean, yes. If you don't charge them, you can't just say sorry about that and walk <laughs> away. I mean, uh, 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 so and we shouldn't
0: stand for that, yeah, uh, and we won't stand for it, and we don't stand for it. Uh, just to um, the political imperative here, or if you like, the the the, the Mike Jackson uh, parable is pretty. Good. He was in Bally Murphy. He was in the Bogside. Uh, he he went on to be the number one soldier. The behaviour of the Paratroop Regiment in that few months, as you say, it wasn't the first or last time with them. But did they feel? And this is a question about the Heath government of the time. Was this in some way? politically okayed, if you like, without um, being ordered. But uh, was it okayed? Uh, just sort these people out. Give them a lesson.
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's true. And one of the uh, aspects of Bloody Sunday in particular that uh, is worth exploring even at this stage is the extent to which it wasn't just The fact that uh, people were seen in Ballymurphy and so on were seen as being sort of rebels and trying to overthrow the state, which they weren't. But it's not even that they were seen as that. If you read in detail the evidence of soldiers, including very senior soldiers, in relation to Bloody Sunday, it's evident that they were outraged by the fact that people would rise up at all. They're outraged at the fact, for example, that there were barricades up around the bog side. In the memos and in the discussions which uh, senior British officers and senior politicians uh, had just before Bloody Sunday, what's mentioned most often is not political matters. It's not about defending the existence of the storm Parliament at the time over and over again. It's about the cheek of these people coming to hooligans, hooligans on the streets, Raising up against legitimate authority. So that, that's a more general attitude, sort of, uh, uh, than one which is uh, expressed solely in relation to events and uh, the issues in Northern Ireland. I mean, that's, and, 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 you know, and the paratroopers are worth looking at. They really are. There are a number of very good books about it. There's a book by Vincent Cranby, who's in the 2nd uh, Battalion of the Parachute Regiment, and he was in the Falklands. And his book is absolutely fascinating and see what I mean. I, I, we don't have time, but I could tell you stories uh, uh, about all that. But the paratroopers were invited to believe and were selected. Think about Vincent Cranby. Here's one fact. Anyway, and, and again, I'm not patronizing anybody and saying this. Vincent Cranby writes in that book, Excursion to Hell, a really, really good book. He writes in the book that in the platoon where he was, he was the only person who didn't come from a totally broken family. You know, really? that tells you a hmm. lot. About the way yes, the are recruited and wh- how they are expected to bleed, rather, uh, how they're expected uh, a, a, to behave. I mean, if you yes. read Ki- uh, some of Kipling, expresses a lot of this very well. <laughs> yes. It really does. People don't read Kipling anymore. They should.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would. Uh, I used to have a party piece called "If." <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but it. Uh, uh, I actually was reading about you, Rudyard Kipling, recently, a racist as well. But just yeah. a final question about Johnson and Cameron. Cameron's gone up uh, very shortly uh, in front of House of Commons Committee. The old Etonian Spiv, who was hoping to make 40 or 50 million, uh, <laughs> ba- bailey, getting the taxpayers to bail out uh, a dodgy company. Uh, Johnson, we know all about uh, Johnson and his character, they don't teach you certain things at Eton, do they, um,
3: No, well, or alternatively, they teach you all the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they certainly teach you is that sense of entitlement. Yes. Of not being answerable to anybody, and certainly not the hoi polloi, the great unwashed of the mass of the people, British and Irish or anybody else. Yeah. They are not answerable because they are of a different class, immune to the rules, the regulations, or the conventional expectations of citizens. People like Johnson, is by no means alone, don't think that they should be answerable. They are rulers as of right. That would right through Johnson's career.
0: And we have our own boys and girls here. <laughs> really.
3: indeed,
0: indeed. I'm very grateful to you, Eamon, for joining us on The Stand. Eamon McCann, one of the most brilliant journalists uh, and writers, his war, book, War and an Irish Town, is something very moving, uh, and very
3: as they say, Eamon, in these circumstances, I go on. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: and of course, Eamon uh, has campaigned uh, for justice and got a measure of justice, which is as much as you can expect. We're grateful to Eamon. We're also grateful to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.